Amen. So I am glad this morning that I woke up with gladness in my heart. Amen. And still remembering and celebrating our true and living God. So as we go forth this morning, we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And the scripture text that you were given came, coming from Galatians 5, I'm particularly going to speak um, just from 22 and 23. And it reads for us this morning, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation here. And it says, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here, there is no conflict with the law. That's Galatians 5, and 23. And we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I know Pastor Michael uh, uh, went before me and shared some things on love and on the fruit of the Spirit. And I am very sure that we are very aware of what the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit that I'm going to particularly speak on today is joy and peace, joy and peace. And so I, I was reading as I was studying, there was one writer, uh, commentator, and he asked the question, uh, after you read the verse, he said, how many fruit do you see in this particular verse? And as common as we are, we began to count, you know, the different fruit that we see. We name them and, and we count nine. And then he turned around and he said, well, if you counted nine, you're wrong. Because the, the, the scripture does not speak of nine different fruit. It speaks of one fruit that encompasses nine components. Nine forms of character, nine graces that God gives us by his spirit. So the fruit that he gives us is one fruit. Now, I'm, I'm kind of this kind of crazy thinker sometimes, and I kind of laugh because I think God sometimes hides humor in his passages and his scriptures, you know. He's a funny kind of God. And, and so every now and then I laugh at his encounters with the devil, because, you know, he's the kind of, kind of God that, you know, he doesn't need to boast about his power, you know, but every now and then you see him sarcastically kind of, you know, make a ploy at the devil. And so I laugh because I said, it's funny how in the garden it was one fruit that, that was partaken of, and when they ate that one piece of fruit, then man began to fall and, 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 and they began to die. And they began to die to the, the reflection of God's image on the inside of them and how he shaped them and how he formed them. And they ate that one piece of fruit and all of mankind fell. And I found it funny that God said, now I'm going to give them one piece of fruit right back. <laughs> I'm going to give them one fruit and that one fruit is going to encompass everything that you thought that you stole from them. Everything that you thought you were going to block me from doing. 
So I felt like, now that's just my sense of humor. You don't have to laugh at that, but I chuckled a bit. And I said, you know, that's just like a smack in the face. Okay, y'all don't have to laugh, all right. Okay. So, but I thought that was cute. And what he did was he said, I'm going to give them this piece of fruit, but when I give them this fruit this time, this fruit is going to be different from the fruit that they took from the tree because this time, this fruit is going to be wrapped up, tangled up, and tied up in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, and you can't touch that. <laughs> this time, I don't have to worry about them losing it because I put the power in my hands. Amen? Amen. And so as we talk today, we're going to talk about joy and peace. Joy, particularly, we're going to define today as the exhilaration of the heart. It's the gladness of the heart. And when we talk about peace, we're defining peace as the tranquility of the mind. It is the mind at rest. So we're going to talk about the heart and the mind and what God has given to us in order to strengthen and empower our faith to see him move in our lives. So when we think about joy, joy here, he says to us in Philippians 4 and 4, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. He says, always be full of love, always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say again, rejoice. Now, this to me sounds pretty much like one of those things that he's pushing upon us. And when he uses those terms, always, I, those things seem kind of ironic to me because how can you always be full of joy? I live in this life and I not, don't feel like I'm always full of joy. And so I'm looking like that's a high demand. I don't know how we can meet that. But God says I made a way. He says, in peace, he said, there is a peace in Philippians 4 and 7. He says, if you do this, keep your mind on me. He says, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So as he speaks of these particular things that we're talking about, joy and peace. I'm always thinking about, you know, that joy and peace are things I seem to always be striving for. It doesn't seem to just be present with me, but I'm always seeming to strive for them. I'm trying to find a way to obtain peace, and I'm trying to find a way to obtain joy. And if I get a little piece of it, I'm trying to hold on to it. Anybody know what I'm saying? You know, so it seems to always come and go. And uh, there's oftentimes I'm wondering what it is about it that doesn't seem to like me. Anybody? Any, okay. So I'm always striving for it. I'm continually going after it. So I am always, you know, trying to find ways to get there. To get there. So now in in, in my life, I have things that I do in order to experience joy and peace. I'm going somewhere. I know it doesn't sound like I'm in the vein, but I am. Now, now, 
I, I'm always trying to find ways outside of myself to obtain this joy and this peace that seems to be eluding me every chance it gets. So now I have these certain pastimes, things that I like to do. I like, I am one of those uh, the people that I like movies. That's like my favorite pastime. I love to watch movies. And so I saw the other day, uh, what's the movie? White House Down with Jamie Foxx and Chanin, what's his name? Chanin, Channin, you know the guy. With the muscle shirts, y'all know the guy, right? Okay, so, so I saw this movie. Now, it was one I told my daughters, my kids, I don't really want to go see because I didn't particularly like the trailer. So I'm like, I don't want to go see it. But a group of friends of mine wanted to go, so you know how you go. You with your girls, you got to go. So I went, and so when I got in the movie, I was awesomely surprised. I was in the movie, you all, if you all were women, you would have been embarrassed. I'm you would have been embarrassed. I was in the movie loudly clapping and cheering and hoorahing, and I was excited about what was happening in the movie. I surprised myself. The only thing I didn't do was talk to the people on the screen. I didn't do that, but I did everything else. I was very excited about just watching the movie. I laughed, I cried, I did all of that. It was a great movie. Now, now, I'm one of those, my favorite types of movies is comedies. I like comedies. I like to laugh. I like emotional dramas. I like those ones that the underdog wins. I like the ones that where they overcome and they get the victory. I like action movies. Now, most people are surprised when they find out I like action movies. Now, particularly, I like the hand-to-hand -hand ones. I like the hand-to-hand -hand combat. I like the martial arts. I like to see a good fight. I like those things. Now, see, I don't want it. I don't necessarily need all the gore. I like the Roman and the Greek, you know, 300s. I like those movies and because I like to see them battle it out. Now, I know people were surprised when they heard this because it doesn't seem like it's my character, but it is. <laughs> yes, it is. When you look real closely at my hobbies or my, my pastimes, you'll find something out about me. You'll find out that, you know, on the surface, it seems like I'm, you know, a very serious person most of the time. And sometimes I am. I'm serious about particular things. But I like to laugh. I mean, I like to laugh till I cry. I like to laugh until my stomach is hurting and I can't even get the sound out of my mouth. I like the deep belly laughs. I love to see people laugh. I like to crack up. Now, I'm not good at bringing the funny, but I love it when I'm present during it. Okay, so, so here we go. I'm going to practice one on you guys. Is it okay? Okay. I, I want to tell a little, a little joke. Now, I didn't write this joke. Okay? It's not my joke. I'm just sharing it. All right? And I hope that nobody gets offended. If you do, it's all in fun. Okay. Here, here's what it says. It says, an engineer dies and goes to hell. I thought the church would like this. An engineer dies and goes to hell. He's hot and miserable, so he decides to take action. Any engineers in the room? Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> he decides to take action. The AC has been busted for a long time, so he fixes it. Things cool down quickly. The moving walkway motor jams, so he unjams it. 
People get People can get, get from one place to another more easily. The TV is kind of grainy and unclear. So he fixes it and the connection with the satellite dish, and now they get hundreds of high-def channels. One day, God decides to look down on hell to see how his grand design is working out and notices that everyone is happy and enjoying umbrella drinks. He asks the devil, what's up? And the devil says, things are great down here since you sent us this engineer. He says, what? God says, an engineer? I didn't send you one of those. That must have been a mistake. Send him upstairs immediately. And the devil responds, oh, no way. (laughs) We want to keep our engineer. We like him. And God demands, if you don't send him to me immediately, I'll sue you. And the devil laughs and says, where are you going to find a lawyer? (laughs) Sorry, Dan. I don't know where he is. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I thought that was funny. Okay, for those that were offended, I apologize. But here's one for the road. What's red and bad for your teeth? What's red and bad for your teeth? A brick. Okay. Okay. Now, see, that was one that I laughed really hard about. And that, you ought to think that was funny? Okay. All right. All right. See? See, I'm not good at bringing a funny, but I love a good laugh. Amen. If you look deeply now with me again, you will discover that I am not ashamed of my emotions. Yeah. I I don't mind having my emotional moments. I'm very in tune with my emotional state. I try not to be controlled by them, but I am very in tune with my emotional states. Now, most men don't like that. Amen. They They don't like that. They don't very much appreciate that about a woman because now when she is in tune with her emotions, she's very much more clear about how she's feeling from moment to moment, and she has a whole lot more to say. And she's not afraid to do it. See, that's what happens when you turn 40. When you turn 40, you don't care. (laughs) You don't care. When you turn 40, you you understand yourself and you're going to tell the world about it. And then I'm told that when you turn 50, it's even more ridiculous. So I I can't wait until I turn 50. That's more freedom. Amen. Watch out. So now... Okay, so I'm very in tune with that, and I'm also not afraid of a good fight. I was one of those that I I like, again, the hand-to-hand combat type things. So when I was exercising, you know the the, the tapes, the exercise videos, the Tybo. Anybody remember those? Tybo, Billy Blake. Okay, now I was one of those that I took those, and those were the kind of things I used to exercise with. But see, I did what maybe most should not do. I took it on, and I thought it was really teaching me about boxing. So, now I took it on, and and now I went around as though I could take you. That's what I did. But now I was calling people out, you know, to box and to to fight because I felt strong. I felt, you know, empowered, like I could handle things. And until I met a really big guy who told me that Billy Blanks was going to get me hurt. So... I stopped with all of that. I know some of you all out there, some psychology majors and, you know, all of those that's looking at me, you're looking and you're like, mm, this is a good profile, you know, about her. Kind of different, but it doesn't matter. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. 
All right. So now for my pastimes, these are my, my particular ways in which I escape. I love them. I love to watch the movies. I love to read books because it's my escape. It's my way of creating an alternate reality. It's my way of experiencing what I don't experience or am not presently experiencing in my life. And so in order for me to handle what's happening in my life, I will most times, sometimes, escape my reality. Anybody familiar with that? I will try to escape this reality in order that I may forget about my life. Most of us now, when we create, we have these pastimes, we misuse them for what they should not be used for. So when, when, I, when I've done this and, and I've experienced those that know my testimony and I've had some very rough years over the last couple years and I found myself fighting against myself. And, and I found myself trying to hold on to the faith that I believe in God while experiencing some hardships in my life that drove me to escape. And in my escape, I'm wrestling with my mind, and I'm wrestling with my heart, and I'm wrestling with my faith. I'm wrestling because I don't want to come out of this alternate reality that I've created and go back and face the the hardship of everyday life. I just wish that it would go away. That it would go away. I go to these places is because in these places is where I'm safe to believe. It's where I'm safe to have hope, to, to desire again, to laugh, to remember, to be inspired, and to even fight again. In these places, I feel safe crying. I feel safe when, I, I, when I'm empty. I feel safe when I'm letting go. I feel safe in these places. And when I am there, I experience these things, but they are short-lived. Because the minute I step out of the alternate reality, the minute I turn the television off, or the minute I come out of that book, I am faced with life again. And I still don't know what to do. I still don't know how to handle it. I still don't know if I am going to be able to continue. So I go back into my escape. And when I go into these places of escape, if I'm not careful, I will try to live there. I will try to live there. See, we always talk about, you know, unhealthy ways of escaping life, such as drugs and alcohol, work, gambling, sex, pornography, toxic relationships, and you can have toxic relationships with friends, with family, or with significant others. Toxic relationships, we engulf ourselves into these things and we know that they are unhealthy for us and we identify them and most of us will sit and we will judge those things as being wrong. But then we don't look at the things that we consider to be okay like television, music, sports, food, exercise, video games, and even socializing. 
A lot of times we use these things as means of escaping, dealing with our life. We want to hang out with friends all the time because we don't want to go home and be by ourselves and have to think and have to face the truth about our life. We sit and we want to play video games or watch movies and such because we can shut everything out for a moment and for a time and not have to face our reality. And if we're not careful, we will make the mistake sake of living there. And that's not what God has called us to do. When we go to these places, we go to these places to escape, but these places render us no produce. Nothing comes out of those things that are lasting. Nothing. So here, I want to share with you and talk to you a bit as we're talking about joy and we're talking about peace, that God says that we can have joy and we can have peace. Why does he want to continually speak to us about this fruit of the Spirit and us having these things present? And why do we need such a thing here in this earth realm? Because he knew that the times would become terrible. Hard times would come, and life was going to get difficult. As he writes in the, as the Bible says in Matthew 24, I'm going to read Matthew 24 and 1, and it says, and Jesus was leaving the temple grounds. His disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings, but he told them, do you see all these buildings? I assure you, they will be so completely demolished that not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the slopes of the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and asked, when will all this take place? And will there be any sign ahead of time to signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name saying I am the Messiah. They will lead many astray and immediately the nations and lead many astray and wars will break out near and far, but don't panic. Yes, these things must come, but the end, won't, the end won't follow immediately. The nations and kingdoms will, pro, will proclaim war against each other, and there will be fa famines, excuse me, there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this will be only the beginning of horrors to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because of your allegiance to me, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and lead many people astray. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love the love of many will grow cold, but those who endure to the end will be saved, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then finally the end will come. Now, doesn't that just sound terrible? <laughs> See, I read things like this, and I'm like, and then you say, always? Be full of joy. Always rejoice. Really? Doesn't that sound like some kind of confliction? It sounds like that, that's a contradiction. It sounds like it doesn't make 
much sense. And, you know, and, and to follow that, he writes now, it's written in 2 Timothy 3, and I know you don't want to hear all of this, but the, there's a reason. In 2 Timothy 3 and 1, he says, you should also know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult, difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and have no interest in what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act as if they are religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. These are terrible times that he is telling us to prepare ourselves for. As the world ages, he's saying these times will become evident among us. But at the same time, he's speaking to us and he's telling us to take joy and to have peace and, and to keep ourselves and our minds stayed upon him. Well, then I ask the question then, how in the world can I do that? That sounds impossible for me to do and to maintain joy because, see, when I think about how hard my life is and, and I'm looking and you're saying it's going to be this hard and this difficult, I want to escape. I don't, don't understand how can I be in this kind of world and still have joy and still have peace. It doesn't make sense to my mind. I don't understand how is this possible. Not until I really get a grasp of what God is saying that he did for us on the cross. Uh, when I understand that it is really not something that I can externally create myself, I cannot create joy for myself because my hands are not strong enough. My mind is not strong enough. Even the things that I fathom of my imagination is not strong enough to create a world that will always give to me joy. It's not strong enough to maintain peace. Even when I try to control it myself. You ever tried to control your life in order to maintain peace? You try to control the people around you. You don't want certain people around you because you don't want them to shake up your world. You don't want to go certain places because you don't want to be in bad environments that make you uncomfortable. You know, you don't want to go and pick the wrong job or the wrong school because you don't want your life and your future to be difficult and hard. So you try with everything in you to make sure you put all the I's that's dotted and all the T's across and you want to make sure you do everything perfectly and everything right so you can control peace and joy only to find out that that's impossible because I have to deal with other people and I have to deal with this life in this world and where I'm trying to maintain my own peace somebody else don't care nothing about my peace they don't care. The, 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 the waiter over at Starbucks doesn't care that I'm having a hard day. When I come in there and she's got a bad day, I don't care that you got a bad day. I had a bad day too. Here, get this coffee and go on about your business. They don't care. 
And we want to create for ourselves a world that is full of this joy and full of this peace in order for us to have joy and to have peace. But God said, that's not what I've asked you to do. What I've asked you to do is realize that I've already done this work. I've already done this work, and this time I did it in a way that it is not contingent upon your external situations. It's not contingent upon your external experience. I am powerful enough to create joy and peace that will be eternally lasting even in the midst of troubled times. That's how you know that I'm God. That's how I set myself apart from you. That's how I acknowledge that I am king and I am Lord and you are those that I love and that I have extended myself to. Anybody glad that he is God? We're glad that he is God. So here what he has done is he now, not only now is saying that, that joy and peace cannot be found outside of you, but what he did was he devised this awesome, awesome plan to relieve us of our troubles. In Psalm 91, Psalm 91 is my most favorite passage in the Bible. My most favorite passage in the Bible. Now, Psalm 91 reads, it says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Though this I declare of the Lord, he alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I am trusting him, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from the fatal plague. He will shield you with his wings. He will shelter you with his feathers. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor fear the dangers of the day, nor dread the plague that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you, but you will see it with your eyes. You will see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter. No evil will conquer you. No plague will come near you, your dwelling. For he orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you with their hands to keep you from striking your foot on the stone. You will trample down lions and poisonous snakes. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. I will satisfy them with long life and give them my salvation. I absolutely love this passage. Now here David is now a man, David's writing this, is believed to be David, that has written uh, this particular psalm, particularly at a time when he had counted the people, when he did the census, when he was troubled in trusting God. God told David, don't count the people. Don't count them, don't number them, don't take the census because I need you not to put your trust in the numbers of the people, but I need your faith and your trust to be in me. 
that it doesn't matter what number of people are with you. If I say that I will give you victory, you must know and trust that I will give you victory at my own hand. But David disobeyed God because David had trouble in trusting God. And he numbered the people. And when he numbered the people, God then extended judgment and then brought punishment on the people. And then David wrote this psalm. And in this psalm, he began to acknowledge what he did not foresee in the, in the prior uh, text where he had numbered the people. David began to realize that what God had done was God had created a place, a place that's so deep on the inside of him. He, he devised a plan that, that he would create uh, instead of us having to find our escape in television, in pornography, in, in sex and in bad relationships. Instead of us trying to find our escape in these places that yield us nothing and that we come out worse than we went in. God says, I have created a place for your mind and your heart to escape. I've created a place for your mind to go and your mind to come to a place where gladness is a part of how you think and gladness is a part of what you feel. Gladness is a part of what you know about God. I have created a place where peace abides always and in that place I have then created a place that is hidden so deep in me that when you come into this place by faith, this place now is the shield, it's the shelter, it's the protective place for you. I have created this place for you. And in that place, you will discover joy and peace. When we go into these places with God, it is by faith. Your fruit of the Spirit that God has given to us is a gift. It is not something that you have earned. It is not something that you have worked to obtain. It's something God gave to you. And he gave you joy and he gave you peace and he gave it to you that it will last you throughout eternity. But what he says is in order for you to acknowledge, in order for you to experience this kind of joy, you have to stop escaping into this world and you have to start bearing down deep in the place that I have created for you. Bear down in your faith and knowing that what I have said I will do, I will will do. The promises that I have made, I will bring those things to pass. The place that I have created for you, this kingdom that is erected and this kingdom that is ever growing and ever progressing in this world, in this kingdom is where I rest and in this kingdom is where I have brought you. So when he says, come into this place, enter in by your faith, enter into rest by your faith, enter into peace by your faith. Enter into joy by your faith. Enter into love by your faith. Enter in by your faith. If you believe me, these things now are a part of you and they are, a, they are well and they are alive on the inside of you. Why? Because it is the spirit of the Holy Ghost that is living on the inside of us and that is working on the outside of us. And in that place, God says, I will give you joy and peace. It is in us. It's already present in us, but most of us avoid it by escaping. We don't look 
to God. We don't go deeper into God. We don't, when, I, when I'm saying deeper, I'm talking about we don't go to the place where God has spoken of in his word. Usually when we are troubled, the last thing we want to do is pick up a Bible. The last thing we think about doing is praying. The last thing we think about doing is meditating and reminding ourselves of what the word of God says. But he says, I have created a place and in this place is rest, refuge, safety. It's protection, shielding, shelter. There's no need for fear here. Even when times of trouble come, you don't have to fear. Even when times of dread and difficult come, you don't have to fear. Even when you see everything around you failing, you don't have to fear. Know that I will protect you and know that I am with you. Know that I have sent my angels to watch over you. This place that God has created for us is where we began to see the fruit of the Spirit really manifest. When we acknowledge our faith, when we acknowledge our faith in him, when we begin to seek after him, to know more about him, when we allow the Holy Spirit to take us into those deep places in God, then we begin to see our joy come alive. Our joy, our peace begins to come alive. So for today, our question then becomes, are we escaping into this world and being faced with self-pity, depression, fear, Or will we dig deeper? Will we begin to seek God more and ask of him to stir peace in us, to stir joy in us in our times of trouble? Because it's there. We just need him to stir it up on us. When we are troubled, our actions should be to escape into God, into his ways, into his will, into the depths of his word, and declare that it is true. The world is always escaping. This is why we see a lot of the devastation that we see. But we have a savior. We have a savior who when he died on the cross, he then sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives, dwells on the inside of every believer. And with him, he brought gifts. And those gifts he's given to us the fruit that he's given to us, joy and peace, it's ours, it's yours, it's there, it's present.
and we have to tap into it. Instead of running away, let us find ourselves tapping in and declaring what is already present in us. God, I know that joy is alive and well in me. Let me live it. Let me walk it out today. I know that peace is alive and well in me. Let me live it and let me walk it out today. Let it be stirred on the inside of me against my flesh, against the op opposition of my mind and my heart, against it, God. Cause now it to be stirred up in me by your spirit. And you will have those moments like David often had. I often laugh at David's writing because David, even when he is talking to God, David comes and you can hear him pouring out of the bitterness of his heart or the pain or the suffering of his heart. But in the midst of the conversation, somehow it begins to change. And where David was once complaining and David was once speaking of his own suffering and pain, you then began to hear praise and adoration and worship and acknowledgement come out concerning his God. Only God can do that. When we sit in the presence of God and speak to him, when we read his word and listen, it will begin to stir in us this fruit. And we will then acknowledge that he is present on the inside of us. And it is he that works this fruit in us. Amen? Amen? Let's give God a hand, praise, and thank him. As we are being dismissed, please remember again to pray for Pastor Peter and those that travel with him to Columbia. Pray for one another as we go out and face our world and live our lives. Amen. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you now for this day. We thank you for this people. We thank you for this chance and this opportunity to worship you together in the same house, oh God. I pray for your hand to be upon the lives of your children. I pray that you go before them. I pray that you pave the way in life, oh God, before them. We give you glory and we acknowledge your presence. Father, cause yourself to be need, seen and shown, Lord, as we live our life throughout this week until we come together again in the following weeks. We give you all the praise, we give you all the glory, and we give you all the honor. In the most high name, we say amen. God bless you all. Thank you and enjoy your week.